Hey there, it's Coach Tim again, and we have a real nice surprise today. We have Super Bowl champion, actor, ranch owner, outdoor enthusiast, and uh, I believe part of the Super Bowl shuffle, if I may say so, Tim Reitman. Uh, Tim started his football career at a very small Catholic high school in San Pedro, California, actually a rival school of mine, and that was Mary Star of the Sea. Uh, he also enjoyed surfing, as any good South Bay kid should, and he finished his high school career as a South Bay Player of the Year, amongst many other uh, numerous awards, and over 60 academic and athletic scholarships before choosing to be a UCLA Bruin back in 1978. And, and it was there at, uh, at UCLA and Westwood where, where Reitman again earned multiple accolades and awards, one of which was being the fifth Bruin in history to be selected as a unanimous All-American. He was also chosen as his team's most valuable player. He ended his collegiate career as number seven on the Bruins' all-time receiving list. But the honor he is most proud of is that he is an academic All-American in his senior year, making him the last Bruin in history to be an All-American in football as well as in the classroom. And recently, Tim was inducted into the Hall of Fame at UCLA as one of the school's greatest athletes of all time. In 82, he was the second player selected in the NFL draft by the Chicago Bears, heralded as Coach Dick's personal choice. And after playing a, a stint in the USFL, uh, Tim rejoined the Bears just in time to be part of the infamous 1985 Super Bowl championship team. That year, Tim led all NFL tight ends with a 17.9-yard average. After football, Reitman leveraged his experience to take on a number of roles, of which these are just a few, hosting his own TV show, a regular on WLUP radio, even doing stand-up comedy. And he also has been part of numerous charitable organizations and speaks for uh, Josephson, Josephson Institute of Ethics and its Character Counts program, as well as uh, other corporate events. He even, acts, uh, he even acts having been part of Mad About You, Baywatch, and as well as 50 other uh, national commercials from McDonald's to Levi's. Uh, but where Tim is really at home is his lazy bear ranch. He's currently working on his book entitled What I Remember, but then again, I've been hitting the head a lot, an irreverent look at football in the style only Reitman could do. So, Tim, welcome. How are you? Hey, thanks. You know, going through that, now the, the title of my book, I think I'm going to have to change. It's kind of become a serious note now as opposed to when I first thought about writing it. It's uh, now with the all the concussion um you know, uh, case and everything coming down and so many of my fellow players and teammates, you know, having uh, seat battling CTE and other afflictions with that. It just, it used to be kind of funny to say that, but it's not really funny anymore, but you know, I yeah. never really was funny. <laughs> so it kind of goes in line, <laughs> but you know, and, Hey, Timmy, you know, a couple of things, coach, uh, Thinking about uh, Mary Star of the Sea, you know, you guys really had an advantage on us because when I went to Mary Star two years before that, it was an all-girls school. So think about that. There was 300, 300 girls and 100 boys, and there was 20, 25 guys on our varsity football team, and probably 19 could play. So it was it was tough. It's, uh, first, it's the first couple of years of Mary Star of the Sea. That's you, San Pedro boys, man. They make you out of something <laughs> a little bit different than everybody else. So all those hard, all those hard, all those uh, nights on the docks down there, right? Tough <laughs> <Exactly. Up> guys. 
<laughs> exactly. They they put you to work at an early age. They're breaking uh, they're breaking laws or something down there on the on the uh, the employment line. But uh, so, how does a surfer kid from the South Bay get to the Super Bowl? Um, the the old joke is you take Thirty Fourth Street and then you make a right. You know. Anyway, hey, um, you know it was it was a very interesting road considering that I never wanted to be a football player. I wanted to be a baseball player and a soccer player. And um, and then I ran into my high school football coach who was coaching Little League Baseball and uh, talked me into going to Mary Star of the Sea because I was a big kid. And he, he, from there, it was just, you know, tr- trying to overcome a lot of the stuff that all kids do nowadays of just the fear of the unknown and getting it right. And I didn't even – I was so afraid my first day of practice, I didn't even know how to put in my pads into my football pants. And uh, and I had a great mentor, and I was very blessed with great men through my whole life that mentored me. And to this day, I still have relationships with my high school football coaches. And, and I look back at that time as being the most fun I really ever had playing football. I think once you get to the level of any Division One school, as you know, it, it, in college, it becomes a job. And uh, Totally it, agree. Yeah, so it's, you know, the last time people say, what was the most fun you ever had playing football? Boy, winning the Super Bowl must have been great. No, the most most fun I ever had was playing in high school because you're playing for the right reasons. You're playing for your teammates. You're playing because you want your coach to be proud of you. You're playing for your school pride. You know, once you go past that, I think the it changes so much. When you have college coaches, I think it's somewhat of a travesty now the NCAA, when you have college coaches making $7 million a year on amateur athletes, amateurs, wow. you know, so, yeah, it, it's, you know, when you look at it, it's kind of mind-boggling how much money is in, uh, you know, college sports now, and I think that it's become all focused on the money, and, and you know, I laugh when I hear, you know, college coaches talking about, well, we have to have a student-athlete, no, <laughs> It's not a student athlete. I don't. At least I don't think so anymore. Well, it's in. In gosh, you're just hitting on so many things that I want to ask you today. Uh, let's just start with what you just said, student athlete. Now, I'm I'm gonna just put it out there right now, guys, that I wasn't the greatest uh, student. So uh, when I I come across a guy like Tim who won was not only all American in football, which is not easy and certainly can't be easy at, at, at UCLA and it can't be easy at UCLA to, to be academic. How, how did, how do you pull that off? I, I, I don't understand that. Well, you know what, Tim, it comes, it goes back to a base of, of having good mentors in high school. My high school football coach told me very, you know, even though I was being very, you know, very successful in, in high school and, and and getting accolades and 65 scholarship offers, which a lot of those were academic scholarships to go to Ivy League schools because they don't give academic scholarships. And on a side note, when I go speak to high school student athletes and their parents about how to increase their chances of getting athletic scholarships, the first thing I say is be good at academics because that shows a coach so many things. And, and if he doesn't have to worry about you and knows you're going to get good grades and you can be there on Saturday to play for him, it means, it means so much. That's what's going to differentiate you from all the other kids that can run a 4-4, that can bench 300 pounds, that can do this and that. 
that's what's going to set you apart. So now going really back, my high school up. coach, my high school coach said, Tim, you don't want to put all your eggs into one basket. And that just meant so much to me when he was proud of me that, that I was getting good grades and also excelling on the football field. So, you know, uh, it was kind of a funny story. When I got to college, I had a, a, a coach that was an unbelievably great coach, and I know that he was joking saying this, but when I went to him one after one quarter and I said, hey, Coach Smith, I got almost A's on uh, all my, my, my report cards. And he says, Tim, you know, if you're getting A's in the, in the classroom, you're not giving your all on the field. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, I know he was joking, but in, in some ways I know that they, they aren't. When, when you have college coaches, like I said before, making so much money off these amateur kids that are really there to get an education because that's what's going to pull you through your life. You know, the short period of time that in our lifetime that we play football, it's such a speck in our life. I mean, I know that there's lots of things you can carry forward from football, but the one thing that can't take away from you is that education. I've had six knee surgeries. You know, my, my career in the NFL, which when I go and speak to these kids also, Tim, I ask them, do you know what NFL stands for? And they go, National Football League. I go, no, it stands for not for long because that's what your career is and when you're in the NFL. It's not a matter of if you're going to get hurt, it's when. So the one thing that you have to really focus on and take advantage of, a lot of problems, times that these kids go into college and they, you know, they put so much focus on the sports, but what they're really there for that's going to be lasting them a lifetime is getting that education. That, that's awesome. You know, on the injury thing, one of the things, and again, I, I only coach through the youth level up from the babies up through eighth grade. I used to love to tell the kids as they were getting a little older and, and building goals for football and stuff, uh, as I would, I would always try to talk to them about playing in the here and now. And I, I would tell them, you know, football, you don't, you don't decide when you get to f- quit football. You, football decides when it quits you. <laughs> that's, that's true. I mean, right. and, and you, you, yeah, exactly. And you look at, you know, if you look at the numbers, and I'm sure you have the kids that get recruited that go to, you know, Division One schools. How how small amount that is, and then you take the kids that go to that all the kids that play in high school across this country. There, there's eight out of every ten thousand that'll make it to the NFL. Think about that. Eight out of ten thousand. It's such a small number of kids that are going to get to play. There's just a small number of kids that are going to get to play Division One, but there, but there are, you know, a lot of opportunities for kids out there to go to some of the smaller schools, some of the schools that, you know, Division Two, NIA, all, they still have scholarships, but to get that education, that's the vehicle. Uh, football is the vehicle to use to get that free education. That's the important thing. It's not about getting an education. It's about getting a free education. So if well, you can get a free education while you're busting your butt playing football, it's all the better, right? Right. You get to be doing the God's best game ever invented and, and uh, get <laughs> taught at the same time. Uh, That's right. You know, it, it's, you've, got, you've pushed back this interview over and over by saying, my high school coaches, you know, my high school coaches, my high school coaches, and the mentorship, and – I'm going to jump forward with a question I often like to ask at the very end is, is why is football important? Why does it matter? In today's world of concussions and many people saying it's got to end, why does it matter? Well, I, I think that um, 
football is so important because of the things that it teaches you off the field and on the field. I, I think it teaches you uh, sportsmanship. It teaches you camaraderie. It teaches uh, uh, discipline. It teaches having a dedication to something. Uh, there's so there's so many things about life that I can equate to football. I mean, in fact, I mean, going even in the absurd, Tim, I had this uh, magazine uh, contact me oh a few years ago, and you can look it up online. I can't remember the most you know most part of it, but they said, can you write something about? It was around the time of the Super Bowl, uh, something about Super Bowl and dating. And I went through and made the analogy of, you know, of dating in the Super Bowl. You know, you got to have your first team, but you got to have your backups ready. And uh, it was it was kind of funny. But anyway, there's so many things in life that that pertain to the things that you're going to learn in football, and and uh, most of it for me was that showing up is almost 90% of the battle. I just a lot of a lot of times that I was successful in life was the fact that I showed up. When when uh, a good example is when I went back to the NFL in 1985 to the Bears, I was number seven on their depth chart. But just showing up, just learning to show up in life, just show up and be prepared, show up and be ready. And and as they say, luck is when when um, when preparation meets opportunity. So you have to prepare yourself. Then you got to show up every day, and that's about football. And football is that, and it'll teach you in life. Like so many of the things that I learned in football, I've carried over into the rest of my life to become successful. And it's those things that the coaches tell you: it's overcoming adversity, it's striving, it's just it, it's never giving up. And like I said, I was number seven on the depth chart Super Bowl year. Guys got hurt. Guys got uh, cut. And by the end of uh, end of training camp in our first game of the season, it was me and Emory Moorhead were the only two healthy tight ends. And that's how I broke into the lineup. Is is I was like, me and him were the only guys left standing. And I think that's a lot of life, right? A lot of life is you're in the right place at the right time, and you didn't give up. And I think that's what that's what that's what football's taught me is you just you never give up. And there's a there's a great uh, quote, know, Kenny. Uh, there's a great quote by Homer Smith, who was a, a, a coach at UCLA, offensive coordinator there. Then went on, he was the head coach at Army. Uh, then was the offensive coordinator at Alabama under Gene Stallings when they won the national championship. And he said, "Men never give up because you never know when you're winning." Wow! Wow! Good old uh, Homer Smith. He's, I think he's had quite a few quotes that uh, I've used in the past. Sure. Uh, you know, it's that's the thing is is I, I think anybody that I've met that actually was successful in football will inevitably say they don't give up. They learn not to give up. That I, I think that's one of the biggest things. And the other thing that uh, I think might resonate with you is is team. And especially uh, at the high school, there, there is really a, a purity there, uh, certainly in, in, in youth. Uh, and then, as you said, it starts becoming almost job-like as you go on. And, and, and that's okay, I mean, I guess, you know. It, but what I wonder about is those virtues that we learn at the younger age, um, how – how how do they change? Uh, well, how how do we 
how do we make them more pervasive? And and because I see a lot of guys on a youth level, which is where my world was, and and I see a lot of the high school not stuff now because of my kid in high school, and and it doesn't seem that a lot of the guys are teaching what you just told me, and uh, and that's a bummer. Well, you know, my my theory is this, Tim. I think that YouTube, Facebook, uh, and a lot of those social media sites have ruined um, high school football as well. Going out and speaking to high school kids, uh, you could see over the years when I first started doing it, uh, after I retired, uh, they were respectful. They were uh, interested in learning. Uh, they had some interest in the past, what players had accomplished before them. It's now, I think, become different because they can put a, a video on YouTube and they think that they've really accomplished something when they really haven't accomplished anything. Or they can get, you know, uh, 200 or 300 hits on their Facebook page because they put up a picture of them, you know, intercepting a football. And it just seems that there, there's a lot – I looked at a lot of these kids, and, and they really have a higher uh, self-esteem. I'm not a big, I'm not a big um, fan of creating – self-esteem in kids. I think that they create achievements and the self-esteem comes from that as opposed to giving kids self-esteem right off the bat. I think it's I think that we've gotten it kind of ass backwards in in the last, you know, generation of kids and football players. And and so I would go to these these uh places like Nike camps and high schools and and speak and these kids just have such an elevated um uh view of themselves. That and they really haven't accomplished much, and and I don't know if you've seen that uh, yes. in in dealing with younger kids, but I I That's really have, yeah. And and I just think you know if I was a football coach, I would say no YouTube films, no Facebook, none of this stuff. You're going to earn it, and from earning that and striving for it and becoming good, you'll get your self esteem. I'm not going to build you up and and make you think that you're something you're not because you know your dad and your mom think you're the greatest thing in the world and and i it's just a lot different now you know it's like i showed you that picture the other day of my dick yelling at me right i mean oh, you know you're right you can't but you couldn't even yell the things that my high school coach said to me did to me uh when i was playing he'd probably be put in jail now but oh, but I, it, oh. it, it formed my character it formed my uh solidified my strength and it's sad that Kids aren't getting the same thing. I mean, they. I think let, let, know, let me, personally, let me I share think they're too coddled. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, I got to share something with you on that, on on getting yelled at, and how awesome it is. I went through. <laughs> uh, we were talking earlier before we went live that uh, one of your teammates, uh, Bobby Hosea, and I went through his tackling camp actually as a participant to see, so I could actually feel it, so that I could teach it. Right. So I'm doing it, and, and Bob's all out. I mean, he's, he's and from afar, you know, I, I had to sit in like a, a bent, crouched knee position, you know, that burns, and I, I cheated, you know, and I stood right. up, and from afar, he's like, get back down, he screams at me. And I'm like, oh, my God, that was the best. <laughs> I'm like, I haven't been yelled at in years. That was amazing. Right. right. Well, I'm, so, I'm really proud of you that you didn't cry. You know, I, I would have thought you would have cried, but that's good. Right. I'm proud of you, Timmy. 
Right, right, right. I got a participation trophy afterwards. Um, hey, listen, I, I, I know I promised I'd keep this short, and uh, I know we could talk forever about football. But I want to ask you one thing, because this is something that's a, a big a big deal to me in, in studying. And I want to ask you, how big were you and roughly how fast was your 40 coming out of high school? So uh, out of high school, I was uh, 6'3", 235. And I probably the best forty I ever ran was probably about uh four seven, four eight. That's and and I was, I, would tell, I would Go tell ahead. people, Tim, I'm small but slow. <laughs> okay, so how did that change say by your senior year in at Brown, I, the Brown? I never you know, the thing is I never and here's one of the great things. I got to play for a guy named George Allen in the in the USFL. And Coach Allen didn't care how strong you were. He didn't care how fast you were. didn't care how big you were. You know what he cared about? He cared about if you were a football player. Can you play football? And I think that's another thing we've gotten into with these combines uh, under the microscope. Um, and you look at these things. Like you look at some of the kids that have been drafted first. Uh, uh, Clowney uh, from South Carolina comes to mind. Uh, you know, first-round draft pick. Uh, you know, probably vertical jump through the roof you know, probably ran a 4-4, four, four, you know, all these things. But is he top? Is he a football player? I don't think he's, he hasn't even played two games in a row for the for the uh, for Houston. So one of the things is, you know, all those things, the how fast you are, how big you are, don't let that deter you. If you've got great size and speed, God bless you. But if you don't, I, sometimes I'd rather have the kid that works harder, that, 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 has that that thing that you can't define has heart that's going to work harder that's going to that there's that was the thing with me you know somebody could run faster somebody could be stronger but i can tell you one thing nobody's going to work harder and and that's the one thing that i gave you know my attitude was going to be the best and i was going to work work harder and i never i never was a good you know 40 time guy but when the bears drafted me the one thing that they liked is that i had a burst to the ball so when the ball was in the air and it was time to make the catch, I'm going to catch the ball. There's no way I'm going to let the ball, get, you know, get by me. So a lot of those things, I think, are um, given too much value. In my you know opinion. what? It's, it's funny you said I just had a – we had a – I think I had uh, told you or I shared with you on Facebook that I, I did a, uh, a youth football reunion last weekend. And uh, guys I hadn't seen in a billion years, right? And a couple of them, three of them actually played pros, two in the CFL, one in the NFL. And one of the guys, we were just talking, and he was saying exactly what you just said. It was the same line of thinking. And he goes, he goes you know what, Tim? There's a difference between speed and football speed. And I was like, wow, nailed it. I mean, I've been thinking, saying that to myself for years. I just never really heard anybody else say it. I mean, wouldn't mm-hmm. you agree? There's a di- there's a there's a difference. Well, of course. I mean, there's when they run when you run a forty, you're running you're running uh, you know in shorts and <laughs> track shoes and a t-shirt. When you're playing football, you, you're you're have pads and a helmet, and you know you're running down the field. And I I can't tell you how many times that I actually ran a 40, 40 yard dash, you know, after catching a pass, I mean, you know, two or three times in my career. So right. there's a lot of other factors I think that, and I don't think that a 40 time is a good judge. I mean, I think it's some arbitrary thing that some coach came up with and, you know, coaches, uh, uh, forgive me, aren't 
typically the smartest guys in the world. You know, you get a football coach that puts a receiver on the end that has no hands and no arms, the defensive coach is going to put somebody out. Even though that guy can't catch the ball, you're going to get a defensive coach that's going to put somebody out there to guard him just because he thinks the offensive coach knows something he doesn't. So, you know, <laughs> coaches aren't the smartest in the world. Come on. That's funny. Hey, I'll, one more question, and I'm going to let you go. You know, you say I'm funny, but I don't hear you laughing. Why do you say that? Well, that's funny, but you don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man. Hey, I got one more question for you. And right. it's along the same line of thinking that we're talking about, and that is uh, what was the difference? You said you're going to outwork them, and you kind of alluded that to that when you, got, you were at UCLA. I'm going to outwork you, uh, and then you get to the Bears. I'm going to outwork you. Was there a defining moment, or is that just part of you know, your makeup that you developed as a kid uh, back in Pedro, where I'll just outwork you. And because there's a part of me that, that says that. I mean, I have that, right. that, that stubbornness uh, in my business life. And right. so what I want to ask you is, is where is that, where was that developed and then how did it, do you notice it at, when you played from level to level where you had the, reach deeper into that well of attitude because the body's only going to run what it runs. It's only going to get as big as it gets, and yet you still got to compete. So do, do you know what I'm saying? Right. No, no, I, I, get, I get what you're saying. But I think that, the, the you know, and, and now you're getting into some really deep thinking, you know, and I'm, 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 deep, I'm, I'm deep enough to know that I'm shallow. So the the thing, the thing with that, Tim, is that, and I think that it probably happened to you too, through whatever, turn that switch on. And, and believe me, if I could come up with this is what's going to turn that switch on, everybody would do it and all kids would be great and everybody would be striving the same way and trying hard and all that. But But I don't know and I don't think anybody knows why kids react one way over another way. You and I reacted to, you can't do it. You're not good enough. You're going to a small school. You can't make it. Mary yeah. Starr, you, you know, you should go to a, a JC first. You, you know, even though you're getting 65 scholarship offers from every major school in the country, you know, you've only played at Mary Starr. You can't make it. You, you better go to a JC first. You're not big enough. You're not, oh my God. You're not fast enough. And that whatever in my mind, and the same thing, whatever in your mind, you turn that around and say, yes, I can, and I'm going to prove you wrong. And and that was, you know, I think the thing, my personal battle cry, and probably yours too, that that's what turned it on for you. And, and I don't know what makes that switch flipping kids. You know, I don't really know what it did to me. I just know that it made me mad. And I don't know where that came from, but it made me mad enough and determined enough that I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yes, I can, I can do it. So how does how does that serve you today? And I want you to talk about your your business, the Lazy Bear Ranch, and 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 what you do there. And then I'm sure you call on some of those old football uh, lessons. Well, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, you can take whatever if you become successful. Uh, in, in football, let's just take football or any any 
anything, you figured out how to become successful. I think, you know, and Bobby Jose will say the same thing. He was successful in football, and you can take that and you can transfer that over into any field that you want. You know, uh, and, and I used to joke with people when I was an actor, they'd say, oh, aren't you afraid of going in on an audition? That's so scary. I go, no, I've been hit by 300-pound black men. Uh, going in and auditioning for a, a Jewish casting director doesn't scare me. It puts life into perspective, right? So you can take those things, and, and through football, I think a, there's a lot of things. A lot of it is overcoming, you know, adversity, overcoming loss, overcoming failure. Um, through, uh, uh, as a football player, you know, when, when you missed a block, you couldn't think about that block on the next play because it will influence that play and you'll have two bad plays in a row. So as players, football players, the ability to clear negative things quickly in 45 seconds before the next snap of the ball helps in life. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know if you concur with me or you, you've had experience Man. like that, but Man, it, it helps. Yes. It helps in life. Like, okay, I, I, I dropped that ball, which, which I never did. But if I said, like, <laughs> I fumbled the ball, you know, you, 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 you won't let that affect your next play or you missed a block. You know, it's gone. It's on to the next play. I'm not going to dwell in that, that area of negativity because if I do, then it's going to affect my whole, my whole game. Um, in life now, I've reinvented myself three or four times after football. I, you know, I did the acting thing. I've done – the real estate stuff, and and then I decided to do the ranch thing, and and it's just about taking those principles that I learned in football, those steps that you have to take, reinventing yourself, starting as a freshman, working your way into it, never giving up, and all those things are in anybody in business life are going to you know grasp onto and 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 hold on to and use those values to to create a great business, and and I like challenges and. So when, you know, people said, oh, you drove a surfboard, you, I mean, you rode a surfboard, you've never driven a tractor before. Well, now I have a tractor, and I learned how to drive a tractor, and I learned all the, all those things about farming and having a bird farm and a shooting preserve and all those things, you know, I learned. And the, this is a, a pretty smart thing that I heard one time. It says, do you know how you become an expert in any field? Is that you make every mistake possible in that field, and that's when you become an expert. And, and willing to take those chances and be a risk taker and knowing that you may fail in the, you know, in short term, but if you take all those failures and those mistakes and you put them together and you're going to win and, and the, you know, don't lose sight of the ultimate goal, which is, you know, creating a, the lazy bear ranch shooting preserve and executive retreat or winning the Super Bowl. It's all kind of the same thing. You have a long-term goal, short-term goals, not be worried about failure um, you know, learn from your mistakes. That's it. You got it? All right, you fired up? I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. Are you go. fired up uh, now? Win the Super Bowl, man. Do you want I'm, to do a UCLA 8-clap? No. 8-clap. Rah, rah, rah. Hey, I'm good for one more play. I could play one more, then, then I'm done. <laughs> you're like you're like George Clinton in the uh, paper line. Give me one play. Exactly, exactly. Then then it's it's <laughs> over with. Uh, y'all see you in the hospital. Hey, uh, Tim, I really appreciate your time, and uh, this is uh, just a treat, and uh, you hit on so many wonderful things. 
that is important about our sport and more people need to uh, embrace, in my opinion. So I really well, appreciate you. Well, you take and, it and listen to, the, listen to this conversation a couple more times. And when you get follow-up questions, we'll do it again real soon. Well, that would be awesome. Hey, listen, you have a great day. I'm going uh, to end the recording right now. Thank you, Tim. You're welcome.